guys, welcome back to Revive School. Here we are, Lesson 65, Luke 21. You know, uh, it, it feels like it's just kind of building on a, on a climax. Like everything just keeps pointing and pointing to there's something more that's coming. Yes, in Luke 21, it talks about the widow's gift and her giving up. And I, I love this two tiny coins, the little mites, that the widow's mite that she gives up. But really then what we're going to start getting into in Luke 21, verse 5 and on is that here you have the destruction of the temple predicted in, in two verses. As some were talking about the temple complex, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. This is what Jesus said, verse 6. These things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left on another that will not be thrown down. In other words, you will see the destruction of the temple come. But now it doesn't just stop there. Then Jesus continues to go on in verses 7 through 19 about the signs of the end of the age. You know, we've talked about this, you guys, from Matthew 24 many, many times. You know, you're going to hear wars of rumors, uh, wars and rebellions. You're going to, don't worry about it though, he says, you know, those kind of things, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, violent earthquakes, famines, plagues, all of these things like you're going to start seeing. But then it says this in verse 14, therefore make up your minds, uh, not to prepare your defense ahead of time, for I'll give you such words. In other words, as you're going into places, talking about things, interacting with people, the Holy Spirit's going to move and speak through you at all times. And in fact, you can even expect family, as it says in verse 16, family is going to turn against each other. All of these things, I like this though, it says in verse 18, but not a hair of your head will be lost by your endurance, gain your lives. And so to me, what you see here. It's like you should expect the destruction to the temple. You should expect, here's what it says in verses 20 through 24, uh, destruction of Jerusalem. All of these things are going to begin to take place. It says in verse 20, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that its desolation has come near. There's a lot coming. But what I want to do is, so we've already talked about the prediction of uh, the temple going to be destroyed, the prediction of Jerusalem being surrounded and destroyed, like all of these things, right? That desolation has come near. This is where I want to begin to unpack. I want to unpack verses 25 and following. Why? Because you're going to start seeing our phrase for the gospel of Luke. Here you will see the coming of the Son of Man predicted in the gospel of Luke. So Jesus is clearly saying these things are going to be taking place. But in verse 25, it says this, Then there would be signs in the sun, in the moon, and the stars. There's going to be anguish on the earth among nations bewildered by the roaring sea and waves. Okay? Lots of tribulation signs. So in, in other words, uh, judgment that God is going to send on the earth is going to come during the last half of the time of what we would consider Jacob's trouble. In fact, it says in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, how awful that day will be. There'll be none like it. It'll be a time of trouble for Jacob, but he will be delivered out of it. You know what that means? That there's still hope. <laughs> there's still hope for the Jewish people. There's going to be time of trouble for Jacob, but he will still be delivered from it. And in fact, things are going to incur. Evidence in that the Lord's coming is drawing near destruction of the temple. Jerusalem's going to be surrounded. And then there's this interesting phrase, waves roaring. That's going to be taking place. Look at this. It says, by the roaring sea and waves. Kevin, can you go to Psalm 46, verse 1? Again, prophetically, just what does this look like? God is our refuge and strength, our help, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Verse 2, therefore, we will not be afraid. 
though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, verse 3, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with its turmoil, Selah, verse 4. There's a river, its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the the Most High. Remember, something is happening, but watch as this rest unfolds. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her with it when the morning dawns. And then it says in verse 6, nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. But what you see is as all of this chaos happens, what do you see in verse 4 and 5? If you go back there to verse 4 and 5, it says that the streams delight the city of God, Jerusalem, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. Like God is still going to establish himself in this amidst the chaos around. It's a cool picture. So even though these things are taking place, Revelation 17, verse 15, talking about this picture here, he said, uh, also, he also said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute was seated are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So you should expect, now Kevin, let's go back to Luke 21, verse 25. You should see that the nations bewildered by the roaring sea and waves, like there's going to be so much that's taking place. Look what happens in verse 26. People will faint from fear. Like people will literally be overwhelmed by what's taking place. It says people will faint from fear and expectation of the things that are coming on the world because the celestial powers will be shaken. And in fact, in Matthew 24, verse 29, if you'll go there, these are some of the things that you're going to see. Uh, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not shed its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the celestial powers will be shaken. So obviously the gospel of Luke, Luke leaves out some of these characteristics. But then all of a sudden what you're going to see is a leader, right? A leader of the 10 European nations. He makes a seven year agreement. So that first three and a half years that there's a peace agreement with Israel, Daniel 9. But then after three and a half years, he breaks the agreement, right? He breaks the agreement and we know that he's going to move to Jerusalem, the Antichrist. And then he's actually going to set up his image in the temple. So when this takes place, okay, you can begin to see all of these things that we just described. So all of these things, then you can begin to expect God's going to start sending down his wrath. Now, are we as believers, followers of Yeshua, going to be a part of this? Are we going to be a part of this time of peace, this tribulation time? Are you a pre-trib? Pre-tribulation simply means we will be uh, not here (laughs) before any of this tribulation takes place. Whether you believe it's in the first three and a half years or a total of seven years, pre-trib says, I'm out of here, right? That would mean your rapture, you're gone. Mid-trib means, you know, in the middle of the three and a half years, we're going to be here at least until that point. But right when the wrath of God comes, guess what? We're out. Then it could be post-tribulation. Post-tribulation means after the seven years, after all hell is broken out onto the earth, God releases these things. You see the sun darkened, the moon not shedding its light, the stars falling, celestial powers. I mean, all of this taking place. And then it even says in Luke 21, 25, anguish is on the earth among the nations. And they're bewildered by the roaring seas and waves. Post-tribulation says, yep, you've made it through all of that. <laughs> you know, I don't really... I don't really care where you camp out on. I just want you to know one thing. You better be ready for the Son of Man to come. You better be ready that you might have to deal with some of that stuff. Because one of the things I love, one of our friends, Ray Sturdivant, always says is, you know, when's the last time you've looked in Scripture that God pulled somebody out of a hard scenario? He usually kept people in the scenario. So what? So that they could bring glory to Him and be refined in the process. Now, 
am I, am I okay if you get taken out earlier? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I just want us to be prepared. We might have to go through this. And I'm actually quite okay with that. Interesting enough, we're going to kind of, we're kind of combining here, uh, Luke 21 and, and Matthew 24. Okay. So now watch this. In verse 27, okay, uh, in fact, Kevin, did we do yet? Yeah, uh, verse 27, it says this, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud of power and great glory. Now, before this, I want to I hit a pause button, okay? I wanted to read that, so they're going to see the Son of Man. But now, interesting enough, in Matthew 24, verse 30, well, I want you to go there for a second. Matthew 24, verse 30, it says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The thing that Luke doesn't write is that the the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky first. So what I don't know after all of this stuff is happening, (laughs) nobody knows what the sign of the Son of Man is. There's not one person that says that's what that's going to be like. Okay, But we do know that at one point, once that sign's there, everybody's going to see the sign, that see the actual Son of Man coming on the clouds. That makes sense? So it's like you have a trigger point. Here's a sign. Just make up a scenario, a big flash in the sky, whatever. Everybody looks, and the next thing you know, then the Son of Man comes. It's something that's going to catch their attention. Appear in the sky, all of the peoples of the earth will mourn. So something causes that to bring us mourning. In that morning, then we will see the Son of Man. Now, we know that the Son of Man, how many times have we referenced this, but we need to, is in reference to Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14. Okay? But we do know that this sign is going to produce fear. Now, watch. It says in Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14, I continued watching in the night visions, and I saw one like a Son of Man, and I remember my little drawing here, right? He was on the clouds. Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. So Daniel prophesies that the Son of Man is going to come. Matthew says there's going to be a sign of the Son of Man, and then that's going to create fear. That's going to create everybody to mourn, and then the Son of Man is going to actually come. Revelation 1.7 says this, Look, He's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him. This is always weird to me. Like, well, they just see this on Instagram and Facebook and every TV station. Everything just, everything goes live. Can you imagine that? If everything went live and then all of a sudden you put a picture up of the Son of Man coming with the clouds? I don't know. So here's the deal. When you see the Son of Man coming, okay, in a cloud with power and great glory, all right, you can know without a shadow of doubt in verse 28, here's what it says, When these things begin to take place, I'm in Luke 21, verse 28, begin to take place, I want you to stand up and I want you to lift up your heads because your redemption is near. We're legitimately close to the redemption time frame. Kevin, can you go to Psalm 111, verse 9? Psalm 111, verse 9 talks about how how close we are. He sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. His name is holy and awe-inspiring. Isaiah 63, verse 4. Isaiah 63, verse 4. Just a cool picture of how close we are. For I planned the day of vengeance. Interesting, isn't that right? And then the year of my redemption came. You can expect tribulation and redemption. It's a cool picture. 
And here's what you have. And this is how Jesus begins to put, you know, all of these things together. He tells a parable. So he just gets done, gets, just gets done describing the Son of Man himself, <laughs> what Daniel's talking about. And he says, all right, let me tell you a parable. Look at the fig tree and, and all of the trees. Okay, so don't just look at one, but look at all of them. As soon as they put out the leaves, you can see for yourselves. You remember that? Remember when Jesus got all mad at the fig tree? He was expecting a little bit of a flower, even though they had leaves. This time he says they put out their leaves. You can see for yourselves. And I want you to recognize that summer is already near. Now, we know in Matthew 24, verse 36, we know again that scripture says this. We don't know the time. Okay, Matthew 24, verse 36. Now, concerning the day and hour, nobody knows. So when is the Son of Man coming on the cloud in in power and glory? We don't know. In fact, Jesus, as the Son of Man here on earth at that time, he did not know, except only the Father knew. Only the Father knew the hour, okay? Mark 11 says the same thing. But I think it's okay to say, you have to say this in verse 30, that it might actually take place near the summertime. Is that a fair assessment, do you think? I don't know. There's other places, though, it talks about pray that it's not wintertime because you need to get your coat. So then, but here's the funny question. Whose summer is it? Right, right. So even if it's summer somewhere, it might not be summer somewhere else. So pray that it's not winter. Scripture does say that. But at the same time, I think there's some things that we can at least indicate there could be a season. We're not predicting it. We're just going off of what Luke 21 verse 30 says. So then here's what it says in verse 31. In the same way, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Now, how does this all tie into what Jesus was talking about earlier? In the same way, when you see these things, what are these things? A couple of these things would be you see a sign. You see the Son of Man coming on a cloud. You see what? Uh, the celestial power shaken. You see people fainting from fear and expectations of things that are coming. You see that there's anguish on the earth among the nations. When you see all of these things happening, I want you to recognize the kingdom of God is just right around the corner. Now, Jesus is clear, right? What did he say, you guys? He said there is a now kingdom of God and there's a future kingdom of God. When we say that the kingdom of God is near, we're talking about the future kingdom of God. Make sense? We're talking about this is the return of, or you could even just say the coming of the Son of Man. Whichever you're comfortable with, it's still the same. He's coming back. And so when you see these things, recognize that God is coming to actually implement the kingdom of God. You're going to see, uh, I mean, as Nelson says, what we just said, the cosmic signs, the earthly chaos, the end is approaching. And then you will see a spiritual change. Some of the things that are going to start happening because of this. Kevin, can you go to Isaiah 27 verse 12? Obviously, you have the fig tree. Many people would liken it to the nation of Israel. 100%, you can't say that. But I will say in Isaiah 27, verse 12, On that day, the Lord will thresh grain from the Euphrates River as far as the wadi of Egypt. And you, Israelites, will be gathered one by one in verse 13. On that day, a great trumpet will be blown. And those lost in the land of Assyria will come as well as those dispersed in the land of Egypt. And they will worship the Lord at Jerusalem on the holy mountain. You will see in what some describe as a revival for the nation of Israel. 
When these things begin, when the trumpet is blown and they all begin to come together, you're going to actually begin to see a possible, legit, the best revival we've ever seen in history. Matthew 24, verse 31. Kevin, if you'll go there. It says, He will send out His angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather His elect from four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. You will begin to see the gathering of His chosen people. Now here's a verse 32 that I love. I actually hold on to this. Uh, just, I, I process this, and it says this, I assure you, this generation, this unbelieving Jewish group of people, okay, will certainly not pass away until all things take place. Now, we know that Jesus in this context, right? I mean, back then, he was saying that there's going to be a generation, right? That's going to allow and see all of these things to come to fruition. Is that, is that a fair statement, Rich? What do you think? Yeah, I think. One generation is going to see this unfold. Correct. What if we're that generation? What if we're that generation that gets to experience this seven years of crazy chaos, peace and turmoil and transition and the Antichrist shows up, the Son of Man comes back? Like, what if we get to be a part of this ridiculous journey? Because we're supposed to live like we will. We're supposed to live like He's coming back. The kingdom of God is near. That's our mentality. Whether you think it's ridiculous or not, this should be our heartbeat. God, come Lord Jesus. May we be a part of this. It's the next massive move of God. And in fact, it says in verse 33, I don't want to put in even though, but in my mind, I think heaven and earth, as all these things take place, heaven and earth will pass away. You're going to see the universe literally gone, and then we're going to see a new Israel. We're going to see a new structure, a new earth, a new heaven. But he says, my words will never pass away. So even though you see a new shift in the, in the heavens and the earth, you see something new beginning. Oh, what I've said from the very beginning, none of that will ever pass away. It's not like you start all over and say, oh, let's start a new Bible. No, no, no. My words will never pass away, even though we see a new heaven and earth. I mean, what an incredible image. Isaiah 40, verse 6 through 8. If some of you have Bibles, this is usually some verses at the very, very beginning. And Isaiah 40, verse 6, 7, and 8 says, A voice was saying, cry out. Another said, what should I cry out? All humanity is grass and all its goodness is like the flower of the field. Now watch, it says in verse 7, the grass withers, the flowers fade. And can I even put, (laughs) at times the universe might even be destroyed. (laughs) But when the breath of the Lord blows on them, indeed the people are grass. Now watch in verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God remains how long? Forever. So when Jesus says, my words will never pass away, praise God. Can we go to Luke 16, verse 17 for me, please? Luke 16, verse 17. This is cool, but it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away. So there's similar language here. Like this isn't the first time that we've heard this. Then for one stroke of a letter in the law to drop out. In other words, everything that has said back then in the Old Testament, I promise you, has to come to fruition and fulfillment in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. And that's what he's saying. He says all of these things, even though there's going to be crazy chaos, my word always stays, 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 stays true to what I've said from the very beginning. 
And I know we say this over and over and over here at Revive School, but Kevin, can you go to Matthew 5, 17? This is what we're after. All 66 books, every one of those books points to the coming Messiah. Matthew 5, 17 reiterates what we just heard in verse 33 of Luke 21. Don't assume that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. In other words, it doesn't just stop. Jesus says, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never, never (laughs) pass away. It's a cool picture to me. And then it says in verse 34, so because of all of this, because of what we see in Scripture and Just, I like to go there, you guys. What if we're a part of seeing the Son of Man return on the clouds? Like, what if this wasn't some, like, oh, book that my grandfathers maybe never got to see or my great-great-great-grandparents never got to see, but what if we got to witness the coming of the Messiah? And that we knew for those three and a half years that there was going to be peace. And we knew that that the Antichrist is going to move into Jerusalem and set up his image. And then we knew that the Antichrist was going to take control of the the prince of the the world and force all these peoples to worship and obey him. And and we knew all these things. And then as Warren Wearsby says, then the nations are going to gather in the valley of Megiddo, Armageddon, and they're going to fight in the Antichrist in Israel. But yet you're going to see the sign of Christ. And as a result of the sign of Christ, then the Son of Man is going to return to the earth. He's going to defeat his enemies. He's going to be received by the Jews. You're going to see the kingdom of God established here on earth. What if we got to see this reign for earth for a thousand years take off? I am so ready for the church to live out 34 through 38 of Luke 21. Be on your guard, Scripture says. The doctor says, so that your minds are not dulled from carousing and drunkenness and worries of life or that that day will come on you unexpectedly. I don't want you to be caught off guard. He says in verse 35, it's it's like a trap for it will come on all who live on the face of the whole earth. So there's not just one country that's going to experience this in Italy or, uh, you know, in Ghana or, or in Rwanda. No, no, no. All of us. It says all who live on the face of the whole earth. And then it says in verse 36, but be alert at all times. It goes back to this little old widow. I don't know if she's old, but this little widow who presses in with an unbelieving judge and wants justice from her adversary. Here's what the scripture says. You be alert at all times. You see how the gospel of Luke ties everything together? You be alert at all times. Why? Praying that you may have strength. So we need to start praying now. Lord, give me the strength so that I can escape all of these things that are going to take place in a stand before the Son of Man. Imagine if your prayer request began, Lord, give me the strength to endure the tribulation so that I can stand before the Son of Man. Imagine if that's how we prayed. Imagine if that's how we live, that we actually believe, God, you give me the strength to sustain right now so that I can stand before you. In 1 John 2.28, 1 John 2.28, imagine if this was our end goal. As we're praying for strength, because we know He's coming back. So now, little children, remain in Him so that when He appears, when the Son of Man appears, so that we may have boldness and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Yeah, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, You gave me the strength. I'm not ashamed. I am bold for You. I am ready for You. Like, imagine if this was the challenge that all of us took. Man, it's crazy to think. This is a reality. This is a reality and part of my personal calling 
is to get people ready for his return. And just what if one of the first steps of you believing this is that you start praying for the strength to sustain the end times? It's a radical shift. It's a radical mentality. But I just want to just write just some simple truths up here, you guys. And Kevin, if you can go to verse 28 for me in Luke 21. First of all, you guys, we, we just... Uh, in verse 28, if you can for me. Verse 28 just says, But when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, and because your redemption is near. I just need you to be aware that redemption is near. I just need you simply to be aware redemption is near. That's, that's the first step in order to understand where we're at. Son of man, now, yes, the kingdom of God, but it's also the future. And then in verse 31, Kevin, if you'll go there, another simple, simple little step. In the same way, same way, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. So as you're aware, guess what I need you to do? I, need, I just need you to recognize. I'm going to add here, uh, recognize the truth. Recognize that the kingdom of God is near. So look at the similar language, you guys. Redemption is near. Kingdom of God is near. Okay, number three, if you go to verse 34 for me, Kevin. Verse 34, it just says this, uh, be on your guard. In verse 34. So be on your guard really means for me, I think it's interesting. Uh, like sometimes I've always thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on the armor of God. Like that's kind of the mentality. But really be on your guard in this context, right? It's talking about you're being on your guard so that you don't go back to the rich man's ways. That you don't go back to the earthly things. That your minds aren't dulled with earthly things, but your mind is on eternal things. And so I'll just write earthly here. I'm going to cross it off and then I'm going to put eternal and circle it because that's how you're on guard. You're on guard, how? Literally by keeping your eyes on guard waiting for the Son of Man. And then finally, just as we close out here, number four, uh, same thing, which is it's always this kind of the same theme here, is number four, Kevin, if you go to verse 36. In verse 36, it just says, be alert. <laughs> you ready for this one? At all times. And for me, the way that you're alert, one of the ways, is you're praying. And you're praying for strength. I mean, you know, for those that, you know, um, you know, Taylor, I think, do you work out, Taylor? You work out every once in a while, don't you? Sometimes. Sometimes. Not like Tom. Not like Tom. Tom just left. But um, I think the way that you prepare just every day is that you're always working out physically. You just, you work out, right? We have to start as the body of Christ, start working out. And the way you're going to strengthen your muscles, the way you're going to strengthen, remember your faith, because what is the Son of Man looking for when he comes back? The faith. He's looking for those that have faith. The way that you strengthen your faith is you begin to pray for strength. And that's how we're alert. That's how we are alert. And you know, 37 and 38 is really, it's a summary of Jesus' ministry, day and night. But I just want us, you guys, here for, for Luke 21, like... This could be a reality for, for those in this generation. It could be a reality for my kids. 
And so I'm going to do whatever it takes to get Maya, Nadia, Selah, Jude ready. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my wife, Laura. I'm going to take whatever it takes to get my family. And now my obligation is, is those that the Lord opens up doors, whether it's time to revive or those that are revived school. I want us to be ready. The Son of Man is coming back. And we need to have the strength to be ready for when he comes. It's a great, great story. More than a story, it's going to happen. Lord willing, somehow, some way, we could, we could possibly play a part. If not, we get somebody else ready for the next generation. All right, guys, Luke 21, Lesson 65. Hope you had a great week, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. Thanks.